Hey, it's Bill Simmons. We're not just reacting to the NBA playoffs on my podcast. We're also doing it on the Ringer NBA show and the Mismatch podcast. They are coming after some of these NBA playoff games. Check it out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's the answer. I am Chris Ryan. I am joined, as always, by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? I'm good, Chris. I'm I'm much like pretty much every team in this playoff. I'm starting to lose a little bit of steam. Are you having like kind of a metaphorical chronic hamstring issue? Yeah, kind of. I think the the general chronic hamstring issue that the NBA is going through right now is yeah, I think energy attracts energy, right? Sure. Or the reverse, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I was I think we're at the point in the year where you're hoping for a little bit of a boost you're hoping for a little bit of adrenaline from like some crazy playoff matchup and you know those overtime games and, and game winners and shocking developments uh and we don't really have a lot of that right now but we're gonna we're gonna try to bring the heat ourselves well not the miami heat we're not yeah. really going to talk about these two conference final matchups because by the time you hear this on friday the warriors may have already put the mavericks to bed back in the bay game six of celtics heat would be happening on friday evening and it does seem like the celtics are in the driver's seat for that one because they are up uh 3-2 on miami going back to boston for the closeout game so Sirit and i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the rumblings that have been coming up already that portend to another really active NBA offseason. But the thing that I was curious about, Sirit, is we talk about the difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball in terms of what we're seeing on the court. But I started to read some of these stories. You know, obviously they're making a lot out of a little or just speculating or just here's what we're hearing. And and we'll go through some of these names and some some of these stories. But I'm almost starting to wonder whether or not the NBA offseason is a completely different sport from it, from the NBA itself, because it doesn't seem like maybe teams or star players are exactly learning the lessons that they should be from this postseason. And, and that's what I think we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that, Chris? Who are you? Uh, who are you pointing your, your criticism towards there? Well, I'm not even criticizing anybody in particular as much as like you could just do like 15 minutes on the Lakers and they're hiring a coach by committee thing and who's in charge and is it Rob or is it Kurt or is it Linda or is it Jeannie or is it LeBron or is it Rich or is it Phil and 
which coach is whose favorite there and what they're going to do with their team in general. And I'm not even really talking about... Uh, one big family. Yeah, I'm not even really talking about, say, the Sixers, who have to make a decision. Well, James Harden has to make a decision about whether to opt into the last year of his deal, but then the Sixers have to make a decision about what they want to do with him and what they, if they want to offer him a contract extension now and what kind of contract extension that would be. I'm thinking more just in terms of like the general appetite for just living in a world of constant change if you're an NBA team, constantly kind of seeking out a big-name player, redoing your roster, maybe redoing your coach, your coaching bench, and hoping that this combination of people works this season to get you far enough. Whereas I think when you look at these teams that are remaining, we're, we're seeing like different lessons than that. And not a lot of teams here built purely out of free agency blockbuster trades and bringing in the, the next best thing that you can. Yeah, and I know you didn't want to talk about the Boston Celtics here, but... Well, we no, we can totally talk about these guys as examples of what I guess you should be doing. Yeah, so I appreciate your grace in this moment, first of Thanks. all. Thanks, yeah. But really, I think the best example is just like the amount of non-trades that happened under Danny Ainge's watch with the Celtics. Now, every single trade deadline, every year... And you know what? Like, he, he definitely did it to himself mm-hmm. he actually did it himself in a lot of ways uh because of the amount of leaks that came out of that team about you know potential trade targets and guys that they would love to have and you know is Jalen Brown gonna be put in a package for Kawhi Leonard and there was a moment there was a moment when I think that's the one we're gonna talk about for a while because it looked like that was a non-starter for them and then the Raptors won the championship and that was a year that the Celtics you know went all in for for Kyrie Irving and they had Gordon Hayward and obviously you know best laid plans didn't work out there which I right. think is going to be a theme of this podcast but you know I think I think there was some criticism of that at the time um, considering you know how uh, Jalen Brown still has some of the same characteristics that uh, people criticized about him then but uh, he's definitely come together in a lot of ways and if you look at it now the Celtics, somehow, uh, by keeping everything together, are on the verge of the NBA Finals, one game away from the NBA Finals, largely having some of the same flaws uh, personnel-wise that they had. If you look at Jalen, for example, you know, if you look at last last game, it's still barreling into into the lane and, and turning it over half the time as much as, you're, as much as you're dunking over everybody, too. And with Tatum, I mean, obviously the playmaking has improved so much, but a lot of incremental improvements within the reality of the confines of what those guys are and they still have they still lack the main playmaking vessel and that's something that they've been able to to make happen internally too that it's just it's interesting to look at because hell that's a team that actually reassembled an older version of itself and like a a previous it's like they undid the software update and went back to Catalina. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. Went- My phone's just running so much slower now. I gotta, <laughs> exactly. gotta get Al Horford back in here. They went back to Thais. They went back to Al Horford. And I think that that Derek White trade was was sort of an unremarkable... I mean, I think people were like, oh, interesting. But wound up being this kind of exactly what you what they hoped it would be, which was this connective tissue Mm-hmm. addition where it's like this guy can be the bridge between the starters and the bench he can be the bridge between Marcus Smart and the other perimeter players he can be the guy who makes the right pass he's not going to be looking to ISO 
and get 17 a night and and want to take the biggest shot like despite Jason Tatum or despite Jalen Brown he's the exact right player that they needed Bill and Ryan have this very funny thing about like how many top fives are there where that Jason Tatum is in Jason Tatum you could make the I would very much hear the argument that Jason Tatum is in the top five right now of NBA players but they've got two really great two-way wings the defensive player of the year playing point guard and Robert Williams and Al Horford backing up the the front line so they obviously have like a really great defensive core and they have some very special talents on the wings but I think the thing that I admire the most about them is that they have just kind of stuck to what they had and tried a different voice in the room obviously Brad Stevens left and uh Udoka came in to coach them but do you think that like the Celtics continuity and to some extent the Heat continuity and to some extent the Bucks continuity, if you want to give the Bucks credit for getting to the seventh game there, like that this should be a lesson to say like the Utahs of the world to not give up on the core that they've put together? I definitely want to get into which teams this actually applies to later. But on the Celtics point and on the point of the rest of the teams here, sometimes it is just better to solve your problems internally. You're you're going to be closer than you think. And the other thing, you know, when you mention a guy like Derek White, he's also just insurance against Marcus Smart falling on his ankle at like a perfect right angle or falling on his wrist, which is an inevitability that you kind of have to price in with a player like Mar- Marcus Smart. And I think that was just really smart of them. Like they have depth that allows them to maintain their, continu- maintain their continuity not only, you know, as a team for like the last five years or so, but also just like when certain guys go out of the game, right? Like whether it's Marcus mm-hmm. Smart, then you can plug in Derek White. You can also plug in Grant Williams, who is also just going to be like talking just as much and being just as annoying and switching just as much as he is too. And like you can kind of go down the line with that. Like one guy I think about is Thice, who we will probably not see for the rest of the series, who has been maligned, I think, for pretty much just not being the Time Lord, right? And... That is actually kind of the greatest gift that he could give the Celtics in a moment like this when, you know, Robert Williams has been in and out of the lineup. Um, Just to be able to be a facsimile of what somebody else provides so that everybody else doesn't have to go and change their role. Like, everybody else can still go and be who they're supposed to be. Like, Jason Tatum doesn't have to change who he is because of Marcus Smart being hurt. And then Al Horford can still continue to play the role he does because he's still going to be with a guy like Thice. And you can continue to keep your rotations the same. And that's kind of a theme that I think we've been seeing throughout the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. We have some teams that have what could be termed redundancies. I think if you look at the Phoenix Suns now, like it, it could feel like a redundancy. A lot of it is like if you win, it's good. If you lose, it's bad. But if you look at the Warriors with uh, with Steph Curry and, and Jordan Poole, the way that he's been able to sustain the force of Curry um, and what he does for that team when Curry can't do it. Um, and the Heat as well. If you take... Mm-hmm. I, th- I think with the Heat, their issue is just going to be that they won't have enough of it. But being able to have Victor Oladipo step in for a half and just become Jimmy Butler on, on defense and be aggressive on offense is probably not something that they could have predicted, but it definitely helps that he can... You know, just I'm sure they couldn't have predicted that Duncan Robinson would turn into like basically an unplayable player, too. I mean, like it's it's almost like planning for all eventualities there. Yeah. And then you just have like Max Drew step up and become Duncan Robinson. (laughs) Except for these last two games. Do you mean step up and be Duncan Robinson in the missing threes part? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess. I guess. Like that was that was an ugly. That was an ugly one for Miami. (laughs) Some of the names that have been thrown around so far for this offseason. So there was a delightful LeVar Ball media appearance where he 
suggested that Zach Levine is definitely leaving Chicago. I think then there was some secondary rumor mongering about that being related to him not wanting to be the second option behind DeMar DeRozan and watch DeMar DeRozan just like ISO all the time. I found that hard to believe since this was definitely the best season of Zach Levine's career, the best team he's been a part of since he's been in the NBA pretty much. And all indications were that like Chicago was going in the right direction until they got decimated by like a, a variety of injuries. But the suggestion is basically that he is essentially up for grabs or at least he's going to entertain his free agency and that Portland, Atlanta, Dallas, the Lakers and Philly are all in the mix in a variety of different ways. So Zach Levine's out there. There was an article in the New York Daily News by Christian Winfield about Kyrie Irving's current status with the team and whether or not the team will commit to Irving and whether the lack of commitment to Irving could hasten his departure from Brooklyn and whether his departure from Brooklyn could upend KD there because KD and Kyrie certainly feel like a package deal in Brooklyn. And then we have all the front office moving and shaking that's going on between Denver's Tim Connolly leaving the team, going to uh, Minnesota, getting like an ownership stake reportedly and taking over basketball ops in the Timberwolves. Calvin Booth moves up and becomes like he's, he's running basketball for the Nuggets. But usually when a, there's a new front office head, like, you know, the moves can be made. So you have to wonder whether or not the Timberwolves are going to run it back or whether the Nuggets are going to look to trade Porter or something like that. So... All of a sudden, there's just like a bunch of pretty big names out there, along with the usual Beal speculation, along with the usual Harden speculation. But I guess I'm asking you, let's say like, let's say when you take a, one of the teams from the playoffs, like Dallas, and you're looking at Luka, and you're looking at what this team is capable of, is Zach Levine what you need? There's a lot of moving and shaking potentially happening that I don't think nobody really asked for. Yes. Yeah. Like... Well, let's start with Levine, right? So the Bulls have probably what could be the best start you could possibly imagine to the season for them before they get decimated by injuries. Like you got the DeMar DeRozan, you know, renaissance MVP campaign, like the best feel-good story of the year. And maybe that's part of it for Levine. And then Lonzo goes out, Caruso goes out, and you just don't really have like the same transition zip you do. And things start to taper off a little bit. But within that, like, you find a guy like Ayo DeSunmo, and Patrick Williams is mm-hmm. going to be a year older. And those are the things that are important to me, because if you look at what the problem with Chicago was, it was their interior defense. And then they just so happened to run into the one team that they really shouldn't have wanted to run into in, in the Milwaukee Bucks, because they just were not going to have an answer for what Giannis can do to you in the paint. But they have some guys that can maybe be that one day. And, you know, I think there's also something to, you know, signing some some role players in a situation like that, as opposed to, you know, kind of blowing up what you have. Because I think the problems that Chicago can pose for other teams with their perimeter defense and and just like how blistering they were on offense earlier in the season, just like you can put that pressure back on somebody else, hopefully next season. Right. And to me, for everything that Levine is looking for long term. Chicago just seems like the best option. They're obviously going to be able to pay him the most. Like, they have a history of potential, you know, like, they didn't pay Jimmy Butler. This seems like a different situation. We have a new front office. I don't know how much that changes what ownership feels, but there's also an ownership shift from, like, from father to son. We don't really, like, there's, like, a... And I saw Casey Johnson reported that, like, the Bulls are still confident that they can bring Levine back. So it's, like, LeVar Ball's 
you know, r- rumor versus like the the sort of reported confidence that the Bulls have for what it's worth. Continue though. I, d- I do think that, you know, the fact that Zach Levine is with Clutch Sports is something. Mm-hmm. And I think also he's never been a free agent before. And he said before that that's something he's really looked forward to and, you know, has always wanted to just see what that's going to, what's going to be like, you know, just be able to make his own decision for the first time. So maybe this is just Zach Levine wants to have a bunch of dinners, right? <laughs> And that's totally fair, I think. Yeah? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. scratch that itch. Scratch that itch. But I do think Chicago is the best option for him. If like what if he wants to be the, the primary scorer in the future, too, like, DeMar's not going to do this forever. And, like, he probably shouldn't do it next season, too, just for configuration of your offense that is going to be more sustainable in the playoffs. Like, you know, it's just not... like that, that happened out of necessity, and I think there's a version of this team where Levine is maybe the one getting... The most touches if that's what he wants I also I wonder about that too because that's what he was doing for all these years in Chicago when he was miserable and not making the yeah, playoffs was that fun? like I, and I right. don't think that was fun for him I think he's happy to have these guys here I think it seems like there's a lot of sour grapes with like what has happened in the past with with the team um, I don't think he really loved the old front office and maybe that that's still lingering but right now in this situation I just look at them and I'm like come on like run you, you barely got it back. Yeah, you, you got no time together, and you were awesome in the time you got. The playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. Friday night, Game 6, Boston-Miami. Look inside yourself. If you think that Boston has this in the bag, then imagine the kind of like victory procession they're going to have in this game. And then look at the same game parlay odds and try to construct something where you're like, okay, if this happens and then this happens and that happens, that means that Boston obviously is having the kind of runaway game that maybe they're, they're sort of preordained to have. So my same game parlay for Friday night, it's Boston. It's the spread. They're, they're favored by eight and a half points. I think they cover that. I think Jason Tatum goes over 27 and a half points. And I think Bam goes under 16 and a half. So that's pretty fun. That's plus 439. It gives you something to kind of keep your eye on for both teams as well as the game itself. New to FanDuel? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code RINGERNBA. Once again, that's promo code RINGERNBA. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. 21 and older in select states, refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet, $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.com org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. For some reason, the most notable post-game press conference that I saw this entire playoffs was Giannis after Game 7 with Boston. Because he could come out, and let's just say... Now, obviously, Giannis has the benefit of having a ring 
and those MVP awards. So like in a lot of ways, he's in the Hall of Fame. He has done something that hundreds of other really good to great players didn't get to do, which is win a championship. He has that comfort level, but I would never call Giannis satisfied. You know, he seems to be like this, maybe the most relentless superstar we have. But he comes out after game seven. They've basically, like, they gave away game six in Milwaukee. They lose game seven. And he comes out, and generally speaking, I thought was just like, you know what? Like, we lost. It's all good. I love these guys. We'll try to get better over the summer. Can't wait to come back and play more basketball next season. Now, far be it for me to say that that's what everybody needs to say. I think you can have dissatisfaction with your team situation. You can be like, we have to put pressure on the front office. Maybe I'm not psyched about my coaching situation. But... I completely agree with you about Levine. Like, forget the free agency for a second. Just think about fit and situation. It's finally good. It's finally good in Chicago. Like, yeah, I know Lonzo Ball's knee is weird. I know DeMar's going to be a year older. Maybe there's a little bit of shine comes off the apple here. But, like, that seems like the best possible situation for you. You finally, it's coming, it's paying off. You're going to get the check from Chicago, and then, like, as we've seen, you can essentially, like, orchestrate your exit from a team anyway, if you want to, as you're a star. So I'm kind of, like, surprised to consider, like, would you want you want to go to Portland? Like, you want to go to Atlanta? You don't want to stay in Chicago and, like, have that crowd and play with those other guards and have that fun team and, like, take a shot at it when maybe one year Caruso doesn't have, like, this catastrophic injury and Lonzo maybe gets his knee fixed? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, And maybe this is just... Levine wanting to make sure he gets the most money he can out of Chicago. And if so, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. But the one option there that is a little bit intriguing to me, and I think like poses similar questions for that team, is the Mavericks. Okay. So this is what I wanted to ask you about. was Because if he's got a problem with DeMar's dominance of the ball, I mean, is there a version of Luka that's like more sherry? <laughs> <laughs> I think there has to be, right? The Mavericks are in an interesting situation where I feel like they've come away from these playoffs having learned a lot of things about themselves. And I think the Warriors kind of expose them in the same ways that they exposed James Harden to the Houston Rockets for, you know, Luka just being one of the most ball-dominant players of all time. They have not exactly put it put him in a cage. Uh, Kevin Hardivitz had a story on ESPN today where uh, he cited that Luka's been scoring, uh, I think, 1.21 points per possession. <laughs> Uh, against the Warriors on, uh, I think it was, I think it was on, uh, on on switches. So, it's definitely more efficient than the Harden situation. I think it's more of a, how do you build around LeBron James type of question mm-hmm. than it is that. Which, there's a lot of recent examples in history that are complicated. It's really like I don't have. I want to talk this out with you because I don't have a good sense of how I feel about how they should move forward. So. When they were playing the Suns in the first two games of that series, uh, when the Suns won and it looked like Luka was exhausted and, you know, the the offense for the Mavericks really, really turned to, to like, it, was, it grinded to a halt. No one else was really doing anything. It looked really ugly. Um, obviously, you know, Brunson, Dinwiddie came alive after that. That series completely shifted. But it got me thinking, like, is what they need to do actually just right in front of them right now in the Suns? In terms of like, okay, you've got the generational superstar and 
now you need to find a second star to go alongside with him. Like the double heliocentrism that we've talked about in the past, where it's just... So in the son's case, adding a Paul to a Booker. Right. 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 And if you want to look at it that way, then your question becomes, do you think that Jalen Brunson is eventually going to become that guy? And if not, can Zach Levine be that guy? Because in this kind of configuration of it, I would put Luca more. Luca is like the six seven CP three is like the playmaker, and he's not going to have like the same size issues that Chris Paul has had in the playoffs. Right. And Levine, Levine and Booker used to get compared a lot before Booker made, eventually made the playoffs and kind of got to redeem himself. But like that, that you know, good scorer, bad team narrative is pretty much down the line for both those two and their averages are very similar so I could see that type of partnership playing out in a similar way and maybe with Luca, because of his size it doesn't bite them in the ass in the same way that it bit the Suns in the ass mm-hmm. but I don't you know I, I, I go down the line and maybe it's another sort of Chris Paul situation where you have James Harden and Chris Paul together and you've had the version of it that's worked with Kyrie and, and LeBron or LeBron and Wade but these wing partnerships are really tricky yeah they're incredibly tricky i mean we actually like uh, we don't even have the evidence we have like a feeling that a fully healthy clippers team even would have been a title contender Mm. if not even maybe a title favorite but like that's that's the sort of model that i think we're looking at is this idea of like shooting all over the place and two stud wings who can play both ways and uh, score at three levels with George and Kawhi. But like we actually haven't seen that team play together for an extended period of time mm-hmm. where they're like where they're both healthy. Mm-hmm. So I I completely agree with you. I think that the, those wing combos are a little bit tricky. Yeah. And and look at Jalen and Jason. They've only figured it out since since the second half of this season. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing. Like maybe you need to give a duo like that more time. Like if you look at Brunson and Luca, right? They have, they're still very much figuring out how to play well together. Mm-hmm. When they're on the floor at the same time, Brunson's numbers go way down. And that's an evolution that Luca needs to make in his game. And I, I don't know, I kind of wonder if that's just, that's just the way that they should go. Because I really like the fact that Brunson can step into the Luca role off the bench. It kind of goes back to that continuity thing that we talked about. And they are different enough. I think they can attack sort of different types of of players um so i don't know i don't know about any of this like i don't i don't know about tim Connolly uh going to like that's that's different like it's you know the gm it's kind of like a little bit who cares but that's another one where i was a little bit surprised well i mean i was almost more interested in that just as much by you know first of all it's it's a new regime so while i'm sure that he's going to come in and see chris finch and see the success that 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 team had does he immediately say i don't have the same sort of um preconceived notions about Carl Anthony Towns' importance or D'Angelo Russell's importance or does he say like this we have to do x y and z which had previously been thought of as like kind of verboten in that front office like I don't know I mean Tim Conley put together a really 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 good team in Denver and it was really only injuries this season that didn't see them as one of the conference favorites so I guess I, I'm if I were Tim Conley and I had that Wolves team, and they played so well, especially in the second half of the season. Is that another example of maybe you guys should just run it back and get like another year older of Anthony Edwards? I'm happy that there's somebody there that probably isn't in love with D'Angelo Russell. The Connolly perspective on this, it seems like a big reason was just like, well, it looks like this Timberwolves franchise is willing to spend, and uh, you know, Nuggets were a little bit, you know, a little bit tighter with their wallet. So you get why he did it. 
But I also wonder if there's just something to... The Nuggets are close, right? And they're just... All these teams seem close. All these teams seem close. Mm -hmm. As we talk about this, I'm realizing that we're kind of proponents of everybody staying together. And that in and of itself maybe becomes the issue because not all these teams are going to succeed. And they probably all see that too. Uh, But, you know, the Nuggets, if not for their injuries, they would be in it right now, probably, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. when you look at the Wolves, if they had traded D'Angelo Russell, then... Which which could have happened, then they never like figure into this like weird defensive system where he's like they're like aw- like an awesome perimeter communicator getting deflections all over the place, um, and like fitting into into Chris Finch's system really well. But now you look at the playoffs and what happened, and then you start to wonder, right? Like was that just a Memphis mm-hmm. thing? Like how how physical Memphis was with him, or is it just like is it that lesson that the playoffs teach you? Right, and I think that. Connolly's going to have a it, it, it's probably good to have an outsider perspective on that although they did have they could have potentially had that with Sajin Gupta too uh since like absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean some of these other stories that we we mentioned at the top is obviously we talked about Conley moving to Minnesota and possibly putting some of those stars in play or looking to revamp that team a little bit or make them you know or he might just stand pat and say like we're moving in the right direction the Brooklyn thing is pretty interesting because even if Christian Winfield wasn't trying to say like, this is definitely happening. I think what it does is show the consequences of all in behavior, you know, and basically tying up your fortunes in two to three players and then looking to add on around that and hope you get lucky with the Nick Claxton's or whoever else you're talking about. And we don't have to play Kyrie Irving trade machine right now, but I guess what's fascinating is, None of these teams that are remaining in the uh, in the final four here strike me as overly deferential to their star players. Like their star mm. players are obviously like in concert with what they're doing, and I'm sure Jimmy Butler, obvi- you know, like obviously will let himself be known if he wants to. If they lose to the Celtics, maybe he'll have some opinions that he hasn't shared yet, or that he only shared with Eric Spolstra on the bench that day. But like tying up your entire franchise's viability in the relationship between mm-hmm. two stars which is i think you see it in else other places besides brooklyn is pretty complicated yeah i mean if you look at the teams that aren't in it right now that's what they did that's what the lakers did and it's what it's what the clippers did and like leonard has barely played and it's what the sixers did and mm-hmm. we barely got any minutes of harden and joel and together before the playoffs started Well, that was almost more the relationship between the the president of the team and the star player right yeah um, they're like, yeah, who's like, who, who's your, who's your favorite best friend duo? James Harden and Daryl Morey or Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess, I guess the James Harden, Daryl Morey duo at least won a playoff round this, this postseason. So that was, that was nice. They actually do have a better track record of success together than, than the Nets do. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, look, it's weird when you have these conversations because to me, it's not necessarily about player empowerment. Like, I think I think there's a lot of ways that you can have like all of that power, but still kind of seed certain things on the basketball side of things, which I think is the key here. Like, if you're Kevin Durant, first of all, this version of Kevin Durant, I'm not sure is like should be commanding the type of, of respect from a franchise where he can demand that another player who, you know, show like wasn't available for a lot of the season is also worthy of a max contract and then also you got to sign my buddy deandre jordan and also you got to pay him 
And it seems like that's kind of what's happened with like with the Lakers and just like, you know, the funneling of, of clutch clients there. Um, and just, you know, the I think bringing in West, a guy like Westbrook and then, you know, not being able to bring somebody like him off the bench is what hurts you. It's not necessarily the accumulation of the stars, but I think the way that you do it then dictates how accountable you can hold them in the future. Sure. And some of that is yeah. also going to be self-selecting, too. Like Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Butler was never a big enough star to be able to do any of those things in the first place. But Miami was also just never the franchise that's going to allow you to do that. They never allowed LeBron James to do that. And guess what? Those were some of the best teams that LeBron's ever played with. So, like, I think you just need that balance of, of like, yeah, okay, like, you know, you can you can be the mayor of the city. Fine. Like, it's that's that's totally cool. But... Just let everybody else do their jobs too, and like yeah. you know, if you want to, if you want to have your trainer on the payroll and you want to have your security guard on the payroll, that's totally cool too. You want to have an assistant coach on the pay- like, go ahead, do your thing, like whatever you want, your whole family, but just leave the roster alone. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm, and now that I do have State Farm. It is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. What are some other lessons that you think we can take from this postseason and apply it to like what some other teams are going to be going into the offseason with? I think we covered a lot of it, but I, I think... I think I think the defensive stuff really jumps out mm, at me. Yeah. And, and every season, I think I spend the entire regular season enamored with more and more hotshot offenses and high-octane offenses and, you know, three-point dervishes and all the... Like, and obviously, we've just seen at playoffs that have in a large part been kind of determined by the wild variance of three-point shooting in in some ways but the final four teams are all top 10 defenses Mm -hmm. you know and that to me is the thing that's still at the end of the day is going to be the difference between being a cool second round out and getting to a conference Mm -hmm. finals and even when I watched Dallas 
and that's a pretty good defensive team, or they certainly were during the regular season, and they, they have a lot of cool concepts that kid applies there. The problem for me is not really like whether or not they're making threes, which is just kind of like it, it is what it is. It's that the Warriors have a layup line. Mm-hmm. And I understand that Kleber shoots better than Powell, and Powell isn't even that great in the first place, but there's just nothing there once you break break through whatever they're th- throwing at you on the perimeter. I, th- I think Powell is getting a lot of crap for having a couple bad games, but but that's yeah, that's neither here nor there when it comes to this conversation. But maybe it may be in terms of the Mavericks. Future. I would literally drive to Texas to get Dwight Powell to be the backup setter to Joel Embiid. <laughs> I d- don't get me right. wrong, <laughs> you know what I mean. But I think that I think that my every season I'll go into the playoffs and be like. I, I, I'm barely thinking about defense. Mm-hmm. And I think the Celtics changed that a little bit, especially with the run that they were on in the second mm-hmm. half of this regular season. And then you get to it and it's the Pistons and the Spurs and the, the Heatles and the teams that are like always routinely elite defenses and those Warriors teams. And you're just like, man, it's so boring, but this really does win championships. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's kind of the lesson for a team like the Mavericks. Um, you know, instead of going hunting for, for Zach Levine and seeing if he's potentially a better fit on your team than Jalen Brunson is, when that's, to me, you know, should... Levine right now, obviously, is a better player with that's proven more than Jalen Brunson, but I think when you look at the playoffs and what he's been able to do, like, he's also proved himself that he can produce within your system alongside your best player, um, which definitely counts for something to me. That let's maybe pivot to looking at, you know, clear like getting a guy like maybe Mo Bamba. Or maybe you go big, mm-hmm. maybe you try to get DeAndre Ayton, right? Uh focus on shoring up your defense and then all of a sudden, like you said, Dwight Powell, backup big, whew. Like he might be he he might just be, you know, trying to bite off a little bit more than he can chew in a role like this. But then you kind of allow everybody else to shift to a more natural role. And you can build on top of the defensive principles that you have this season. Like I was can't remember who wrote this story, um, but I was reading about how I think it was Cleaver who said he's getting bored of the the Mavericks defensive rotations essentially at this point. Like he's getting bored at shoot around because he knows it. But that's exactly mm-hmm. what you need because that's how you go into the next year and that's how you eventually start to communicate as well as a team like the Celtics on defense who are basically like, you know, they're like a transformer. Like they all just kind of work together. Um, I know. It's, it's awesome to see. And that type of synchronicity, it's like the Warriors synchronicity. It's like the Miami Heat synchronicity. It is, you can only get it from years and years of playing together and understanding each other's tendencies. And you can build on that with, with a couple of guys. Like you, you can add a Derek White. And, you know, you can integrate a Jordan Poole or a Gary Payton into a system that is already in place. But Or a Reggie Bullock. Like, yeah. work on, yeah, yeah, or a Reggie Bullock, right? And like, but, like, if you work on the foundation of it and then find guys that fit that foundation, then you can actually start building towards something that is going to be end up being inevitably unique because it is, you know, you can only be formed by, like, these combination of players. But it's also just very hard to guard because that's like that's really like to me the silver bullet of the playoffs. And it's it's like being able to communicate well enough to adjust. You know what it is? It's like Verno and KOC did a really good show on earlier in the week about all these blowouts and like the spread of victory. I think it's something like up around 18 or 19 points is the average margin of victory over the last like 19 playoff games. And they were going into all the reasons why that might be. 
And I think that because there have been all these lopsided wins, I've stopped sort of thinking about that old adage that like what it really is all about is having guys who if they have the ball in their hands and it's one minute left and you're down one, like they can go get their own shot. Like it certainly does matter. But when you start watching all these like 20 point wins and, or, or wins that are 10 points, but really feel like 20 points, you just start to get obsessed with like the value of depth and role players, like kind of like what you're saying, where it's like, I understand that it's attractive to think about the Levines or the Townses or the Hardens or the Beals or whoever could hit the market. But I wonder whether or not the success of a Celtics, a Heat, to some extent the Mavs, is going to start to really spur people to be thinking more in terms of 1.5 stars and then eight guys behind them that can automatically step up if there's ever a guy down. You know, and the, the the hardest part to manage with all that is that when you're working with veterans and you got like your Tobias Harris's of the world, it's like, can this guy be getting paid this much on this team to be the fourth best player? Right. But when I watch like these teams now, I'm just so enamored with the Struces and the Vincents and the Bullocks and the Brunsons and the guys that not are and the pools and the people that have been developed and brought in and maybe are affordable for now and can give you so many different things and provide safety nets in case you do see these inevitable rash of injuries. And essentially like the sun season got decided on the fact that campaign was not capable of backing up Chris Paul this in the last couple of games there, right? Like Chris Paul was, there was something up with him and campaign wasn't able to step in and be like a, a simulacrum of him. And I don't, you know, maybe you can't plan for that, but I certainly think it's really like it's worth thinking about if you're a front office and building out that players three through eight. Like, what's the best version of that squad that I can put together? Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's a great place to end it. I was gonna finish with a just taking a last shot at the super teams, but I'll relax. Do you, are you out on super teams now? I think your monologue just kind of turned me there. That's great. Yeah. I'm just so glad. I'm so persuasive. um well we can't your job we can't wrap it up there thanks to chris sutton for producing us uh we'll be back by the time we're back next week it'll be the nba finals so we'll see whether or not it comes down to one minute which guy do you want with the ball in his hands down one right and then we'll have to go back to talking about who needs a star (laughs) yeah you know honestly if if we can just get any games that are decided in the last minute i'll be happy Even if guys are throwing it off the side of the backboard, not getting their own shot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what the NBA finals are anyways, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, Siri, thanks so much. We'll talk to everybody next week. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. 
So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 